Objections Overruled 1 and 2 audiobooks are produced by Lutheran Public Radio and are made possible with support from listeners like you. You can contribute to the production of future audiobooks at issuesetc.org support. Look for Objections Overruled 3 in December of 2023. A Loving God Couldn't Allow Evil and Suffering John J. Bombaro Many people ask how a good and loving God can allow the pain and suffering we all experience. Martin Luther struggled tremendously with this question and found its answer at the cross. Jesus' innocent death to pay the price for sin shows that he is love and that suffering cannot originate with this loving God. Our suffering in this life is due to our own rebellion against God's love, but God's sacrifice on the cross will rescue us from death and suffering. An Honest Question At some point in a person's life, a question arises. To its credit, the question has a realistic outlook. There's something wrong in life, and all of life is affected. There are natural calamities, physical and mental maladies, problems, stresses, and anxieties. All of these are compounded by the moment-to-moment awful things people do to one another, as well as themselves. In view of this evil and suffering, the question arises, how could a loving God allow evil? The challenge posed by evil and suffering is not so much an argument against the possibility of a deity. For example, there could be an evil God whose nature is to do evil and cause suffering but particularly the loving God of the Bible. The problem of pain wasn't an issue for ancient pagans. They believed evil and vengeful gods were the cause of human suffering. So the objection is really a modern challenge to belief in the God who is love, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Theodicy, the problem of reconciling an all-powerful God's goodness with human suffering, doesn't seem right. The Bible is full of variations on this question. Psalm 10, for example, asks, Why, O Lord, do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Psalms 22, 44, 74, and 77 are perplexed by why people suffer, why those who do evil prosper, and why the heavens seem silent. Job, Habakkuk, and Jeremiah ask the question, Even Jesus had questions when he suffered in the Garden of Gethsemane and then on the cross, exclaiming, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Matthew chapter 27, verse 46. Unlike some religions and philosophies, the Bible acknowledges the reality of suffering and evil. Yet, the God of the Bible doesn't condemn people for asking such questions. He shows compassion. Luther's Insight Martin Luther, 1483 to 1546, lived in times more overtly tragic than our own. Poor sanitation, primitive medical care, feudal poverty, infant mortality, plagues, and warfare were commonplace. Making things worse, God was depicted like the human lords, inaccessible despots who ruled by fear. The church offered little hope unless a person satisfied God by keeping his exacting laws. Everyone, except for a few extraordinary saints, faced ages in purgatory or eternity in hell. Luther did everything he could to render himself acceptable to God and entered a monastic life of poverty and Christian service. Yet he still anguished because there was no certainty of God's acceptance or love. 
he could only be certain that God's law and his own conscience condemned him. The law's demands were the revealed mind of God. Everything else about God seemed shrouded in darkness. Luther reasoned that evil and suffering were righteous punishments from God. It was logical. The revealed mind of God demanded obedience, and failure resulted in evil and suffering. When Luther looked to the cross of Christ, he only saw God's anger and rejection on full display. Johann von Staupitz, Luther's mentor, sensed that Luther was near despair, so he pointed him to the cross in a fresh way. The cross, Staupitz explained, was not hopeless because of its evil and suffering. Rather, Christ crucified in the face of evil and suffering meant that Luther could be certain of God's love. Staupitz admonished Luther for contending with an angry God of his imagination who caused evil and suffering. Christ crucified revealed the true and living God's love for the entire world, including Luther himself. In a moment, Staupitz turned Luther's belief about God on its head. Luther had been obsessed with the mind of God. Staupitz brought him to the cross to consider God's heart and nature. God is love, 1 John chapter 4, verse 8. Luther had thought God hid behind the law at the cross, but there on the cross God was fully revealed, even totally naked amid evil and suffering. Somehow the two things went together. Turning to the Bible, Luther found the true nature of God revealed where divine love, embodied in Jesus the Son, collided with evil. On the cross, Jesus took the worst suffering the world could inflict upon him and conquered them. Injustice, slander, betrayal, violence, abandonment, and death wouldn't have the last word. The grace, mercy, truth, peace, life, and love of God would. The crucifixion of Jesus wasn't bad news, it was good news. The God we need to rescue us within this world of real evil and suffering is found in real history. Luther then understood the crucifixion as the victory of Christ. Luther's thinking shifted away from pursuing a hidden and uncertain God who dwelt in the timeless mystery of heaven to the certainty of a happening in real human history. The first-century crucifixion of Jesus of Nazareth on Calvary involved a concrete place with a verified historical figure. God in Christ didn't offer platitudes about our life and world. He entered messy human life to challenge head-on what challenges us most, evil and suffering. This is how God definitively reveals His loving nature. For Luther, that was the satisfying response to the dilemma of how the loving God of the Bible could allow pain and suffering. Outside of our real world, God couldn't be known to us as He truly is, nor could we know that His heart for us is loving. The Theology of the Cross Luther's discovery reopened the right way of thinking about God. It had to start with what the crucible of human history revealed about God. Nothing was more grounded in fact than Jesus' crucifixion. Luther became known as the theologian of the cross because he started with the fact of the cross. From there, he worked his way forward and backward to understand himself, the world, and God. Nothing else could be so definitive, satisfying the troubled conscience or questioning heart. Jesus explained in John chapter 14 that, I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. The Father and I are one. To see Jesus is to see God. 
The cross is the most graphic telling instance of God's love for us. He came to rescue his people, Ezekiel chapter 34, and we are his people. This rescue would come by way of suffering, Isaiah chapters 52 to 53. Luther recognized that for God to fully reveal himself as loving, it would have to take place in a context in which evil and suffering are real. 1 John chapter 4 verse 9 expresses it this way, In this the love of God was manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. This love was epitomized on the cross. The Son of God didn't call down calamity for the evil and suffering he was enduring at human hands. Instead, he expressed the compassionate heart of God, saying, Father, forgive them. Who is God? He is the one who, out of love, triumphs in a world where love is real and comes with risk. He is the crucified and resurrected for you, God. Love must be free. For love to be true and real, it must also be free. That's what makes love risky. It cannot be coerced and it may be rejected or spurned. We can choose not to love God, our neighbors, even ourselves. That gateway of freedom we have for the sake of love is the primary source of the world's evil and suffering. We find that it's the free choices of human beings, not God, that bring about evil and suffering. It wouldn't be very meaningful if we loved or obeyed God because we were unable to do otherwise. A robot can be made to say, I love you, but it is lifeless and meaningless. In order for anyone's love for God to be meaningful and real, God permits us to make free choices in accordance with our nature. But what if there's a problem with our nature? What if our natures are turned in on themselves, excluding divine love and love for all others? That's where Luther said the cross comes into action. The love of God does not find but creates that which is pleasing to it. The cross makes love possible and sets it in action within a world of evil and suffering. Love, then, might be considered the greatest desire and highest pursuit in life. To love and to be loved by the free choice of another gives us fulfillment like nothing else. The message of the cross is that despite evil and suffering, God loves us. His love satisfies and triumphs everywhere it may be found. In sum, if God is love, and if love is to be known and enjoyed, and if it is to triumph, it must be manifest where there is freedom to reject love and pursue the opposite of love's virtues. The Basis of All Virtues The love of God is not only manifest on the cross. All virtues flow from it into a world where evil and suffering exist. The lauded virtues of humanity take place through engagements with evil and suffering. Compassion faces suffering. Mercy meets need. Courage thwarts danger. Justice counters injustice. Sacrifice nullifies selfishness. Generosity mutes greed. Wisdom eclipses ignorance and foolishness. Love defeats hate. Our most celebrated stories build on the tangling of noble virtues with evil and suffering. Ben-Hur, Saving Private Ryan, Schindler's List, Amistad, Avatar, Harry Potter, Star Wars, The Lord of the Rings, The Lion, The Witch, and The Wardrobe, even Gladiator and 300, begin with premise of evil and suffering needing to be overcome by that which is good, true, and beautiful. Interestingly, none of these stories explain the origins of suffering. Rather, evil is part of the givenness of life. 
Yet all of these stories are shadows of a more ancient story. God's dramatic rescue of humanity from the dominion of evil, suffering, sin, and death. It is the greatest historical story ever told and endlessly retold through other stories borrowing its epic themes of love and virtue triumphing over evil and suffering. C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien believed virtues are celebrated in storytelling because they are the most godlike things we see in humanity. Nothing is more godlike than sacrificial love amid evil and suffering. As Jesus said, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. John chapter 15, verse 13. Implications We who come to know and experience the truth of God's love in Christ begin to see the world through the person and work of Jesus. We learn from the crucified God and from human experience that some suffering benefits us. It is not incompatible with a loving, moral God. Physical pain teaches us our limitations. Other forms of pain are the result of discipline from parents, authorities, or God Himself. Pain resulting from poor choices or negligence teaches us to be moral, responsible, and accountable, more godlike, more like Christ. This happens, said the Apostle Paul, as we conform to the likeness of Jesus by sharing in His sufferings for the sake of love. Christians rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Romans chapter 5, verses 3 and 4. Love, bound to a context of evil and suffering, proves to be the mother of all virtues, leading us to hope. Natural Evil The cross changes our views on nature, too. Human rebellion reverberates throughout creation, connecting natural and moral evil. Since human beings were made of the dust from the ground, Genesis chapter 2 verse 7, the earth, the physical and natural world, is affected by the disruption that started in Eden and continues to this day. Consequently, unfavorable natural conditions not only follow physical laws of nature, those governing cause and effect relations. They are tied to the biblical explanation of the human predicament. Creation has been corrupted so that evil exists within nature, Genesis chapter 3 verses 17 through 19 and Romans chapter 8 verses 18 through 25. Significantly, Luther noted that God did not create the world perfect, but rather very good. Perfection would have meant that creation was final and complete. But the Bible explains that humans are to participate in completing creation by having families and ruling the earth with God's righteous love. Living in God's image is an essential part of human vocation. Our failure to reflect the image of God condemns the entire world and despoils creation itself. But just as human rebellion reverberates throughout creation, the restoration that Christ brings through the cross and resurrection will restore all creation, including human beings. Paul explains in Romans chapter 8, verses 18-24, through 24, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. 
and not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the firstfruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. A loving God can permit evil and suffering, but only for so long. This is not the best possible world, but the cross teaches us that it is the way to the best possible world. Luther found it fruitless to debate philosophers and theologians who argued from abstractions rather than the fact of the cross. Hypothetical questions such as, could God have created a world without sin, and was it possible to have a world in which people could not choose, turned the dilemma into an intellectual exercise, making guesswork of serious matters. A theology of the cross, on the other hand, is not derailed by counterfactuals. It deals with the real world's evil and suffering. Intellectual, logical responses aren't likely to comfort hearts, even if they make sense. The cross reveals the God who can comfort us because he is acquainted with grief. He gives specific reasons for hope because he already has defeated evil. He promises to wipe away every tear from their eyes, for the former things have passed away. Revelation chapter 21 verse 4. The God of the Bible prevails over evil and suffering because his love for us will crowd out everything else. Concluding Thoughts Does God really care about us? Luther found a consoling answer to this question in the historical event of Jesus' crucifixion. The cross shows that God doesn't just care. He cares enough to have made it possible for us to love ourselves, others, and himself in the face of evil and suffering. Luther's true-to-life treatment of the dilemma respects the problem of pain and suffering. It is more than an intellectual debate. Real people suffer and need God's loving help in Christ. Looking to the historical figure of Jesus Christ, Luther understood that every individual can be sure that God can help. Rescuing us, redeeming us, and showing His mercy and grace is God's nature. He is love. He is the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. John chapter 10, verse 11. The good news of Jesus Christ puts the problem of suffering in perspective. God himself has provided the solution to the problem of evil through the cross of his Son. In doing so, he makes his love for us known and certain. Through the cross, God has made a way for us to endure and even enjoy this present life with calm and repose that come from his peace. This means we can also transform the world through love. We hold forth hope that when heaven is fully manifest on earth in the age to come, sin, death, evil, and suffering will be no more. The love of God will have free reign. Revelation chapter 21 verses 1 through 8 and 27 and chapter 22 verses 14 to 15. Outside the loving God of the cross, we are left with pointless evil and suffering. The reality of the cross shows that while evil and suffering are real, God's love is more real still.